starting today, in case you didn't notice that. Our video is imperfect because we are an imperfect church. It's not us, a perfect church. Sorry, it's not us. Gandhi once said, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Ever felt that way? I think a lot of people feel that way. They're like, okay, I like Jesus. I love Jesus. He's a great guy, great teacher. But man, Christians are mean. They hurt us. And a lot of times they talk about churches or the church overall because it's pastors, it's people in churches who do not represent Jesus well, who hurt, who say awful things, post stuff on Twitter. How could a Christian post that? That hurt us and leave us disillusioned. Church hurt is a real thing. George Barna is a sociologist, a Christian, and he focuses on Christianity in America. And his research has found that of the people in our country who do not go to church, 37% of those people who do not go to church anywhere, 37% do not go because of a bad experience with Christians or a church in their past. 37%. In real numbers, that's 25 to 30 million adult Americans in our country don't go to church because of a bad experience with church. Church hurt. There's even a term for that. Church hurt. It's bad. Christians have hurt other Christians. Some of you have felt that. Some of you are maybe just for the first time inching back in or you're watching online. Someone shared this with you because they know how much you are mad at the church and Christians. The church has hurt people for our lifetimes and, and for decades and generations, right? Christians, the church, pastors, denominations have hurt people. And if you don't care about those 25 to 30 million Americans, you should care about our kids. George Barna found that 61% of adolescents, teenagers who grow up going to church, walk away from the church when they move out of the house. 61%. Now, of course, some of them come back, but 61% are saying, that's not good. I don't want to be a part of that. It's sad. And if you care about our kids, and we do, we care about our kids, we care about our grandkids, we have got to do and be better. And that's what this series is about. I've called this uh, series Perfect Church, and yes, from the get-go, we are not it. In fact, there are no perfect churches. There aren't any. Some of you are waiting for it or trying to find it. Maybe you're church shopping right now, testing us out, watching online for a few weeks before you know if you should show up. There's no perfect church out there. And we are far from perfect. But what we're gonna learn today is to not be done with the church. We can't be done with it. Instead, we need to be the brick that builds something better. Be the brick that builds something better. We can be better as Christians, and we must. So in this series, I wanna start off with two confessions. Can I give you guys two confessions? First, I have been hurt more by Christians and people in the church than anyone else in my life. I really have. I have non-Christian friends. I know, man, they haven't hurt me anywhere near my Christian friends have. That I have been betrayed that I've been abandoned, I've been hurt by friends, by people that I poured my life into, uh, discipling them as a pastor, left me, they ghosted me, they said awful things about me, criticized me. I've been hurt more by Christians in the church than anyone else in my life. 
And I say that at confession up front because I am a fellow sufferer. You might think, oh, you're the pastor. Everything's good for a pastor, right? That, you love church, don't you? Like, yeah, I've been hurt by the church. <laughs> Bobby's smiling. Okay, I'm a fellow sufferer with you. I'm not saying this is like, I've got it all together and obviously you don't. Okay, no, no, no. We all have been hurt. And if you haven't, you will, okay? And that leads me to my second confession that myself, our church, and churches overall have hurt people. I know I have. I know our church has hurt people. I know Christian churches, denominations, have, church people throughout, or have hurt people throughout history, have hurt people today. You don't have to look very far to find a news story about a pastor who's fallen after hurting someone or abusing someone. And the church does it even worse because not only was there abuse that happened, but then they covered it up to make it worse. There have been some awful things done even in the name of Christianity. So I'm confessing, I know that I have hurt people. Whenever I can, I, I try to make it right, be at peace with people, ask for forgiveness. And, and, and I'm sure that hasn't happened all the times. I'm sure I've offended people by the things I've said and not ever even known. So I wanna say, if, if it means anything to you, and it might not, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I've hurt you. I'm sorry if our church has hurt you. I'm sorry if a church has hurt you or Christians have hurt you. If it means anything at all, I wanna know, I want you to know that we're sorry. So now we got those two confessions out of the way. It's time to move forward. So in this series, in this series, I have two purposes for the reason why I wanna do this series. I think it's so important for us. Really, God put this on my heart. Two purposes, right? Here's the first one. Every single one of us needs to lower our expectations. <laughs> I'm serious. There are still people out there looking for a perfect church, the perfect church, where the pastor is perfect and never says anything wrong. You're never gonna find it. There are people that are waiting. When is Christianity gonna change their views so they fit more with me or with the modern times, okay? You will never find a perfect church. We need to lower our expectations because the church is filled with people like me who are sinners, who mess up, who are imperfect. Just like you're imperfect, there's imperfect people around you. So lower your expectations. I hope in this series we'll be like, okay, the church isn't perfect. Some people read like the book of Acts and they read like one chapter and they're like, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. They shared everything. They hung out. They had meals together. They gave up all their stuff. Wow, I want the church to be like that. But then you don't read the rest of the book of Acts, okay? Because guess what? The early church had a lot of problems. You read the book of Corinthians like, man, that was a messed up church. Didn't take very long because it's imperfect people in the church. So we need to lower our expectations. Here's another hint for the how to be happy. I did a whole series on how to be happy. One of the biggest things that cuts us down in our happiness so that we're unhappy is too high of expectations. When your expectations are too high, you're going to be unhappy because nothing can meet your expectations. So we need to lower our expectations. You will find an imperfect church filled with imperfect people with an imperfect pastor. So let's lower our expectations. That's one purpose of this series. The second purpose of this series is to raise our actions. We all need to be better. And I say we because it's not just me, it's not just our church. We are all, as followers of Jesus, the church. And we need to be better. We need to not be presenting the world to the world like Sam was talking about. What do they see when they look at you or when they read your uh, social media accounts, okay? How could you post that? How could you say that? How could you interact with that person like that? We need to be better. 
So I hope this series will do those two things. Let's lower expectations and raise our actions to be a little bit more like the church we are called to be. You guys in? It's gonna be a five-week series. I want you to commit to this five-week series. It's gonna be really good. It's gonna be really good. And today, we're gonna start out with a little passage from 1 Peter chapter 2. Because some of you are already thinking like, well, man, I know pastors have done some awful things. I read about it in the news. I read about this church and that church doing this crazy stuff. This church hurt me and all, all those Christians, they're awful. Look at what Gandhi said. I agree with Gandhi. Why don't we just love Jesus? Okay, a lot of people say that. This is my Jesus brick, okay? It's different from all the other bricks we're gonna see today. It's the Jesus brick. You guys can remember that this is the Jesus brick? Okay, the Jesus brick, okay? People are like, well, why don't I just go to Jesus? I love Jesus. I wanna hear from Jesus. I wanna spend time with Jesus. Why don't we just do that and forget about all those awful Christians? Do we need the church? Can't we just have Jesus? I'm glad you asked. Because that's what Peter is going to address today. And we're gonna look at Peter. I'm gonna throw my phone in here. If we can do that. We're gonna look at what Peter said. Peter was one of the 12 disciples, the leader of the early church, and this is what he wrote to the early Christians who, yes, were far from perfect. If you have your, your smartphone, you didn't throw it in the drawer, you can you look at the YouVersion Bible app and find our Rice Church Denver event, and we'll actually have the scripture and some of the notes right there in the app, and you can save it. In verse four, 1 Peter chapter two, we read, as you come to him, who's him? Jesus, that's the answer, right? It's always the answer to church. As you come to Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. Sounds like we're supposed to come to Jesus. Who cares about the ugly, awful Christians? Let's just go to Jesus. That's how Peter starts this out because he's saying he's the living stone. Now, if you jump down to verse seven, uh, Peter continues on by saying, now to, to you who believe this stone is precious, but the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The cornerstone. So this is Jesus. We do come to him. We're supposed to go to him first. Our relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. It's not through another human being. It's not through the pastor. Guess what? I will let you down. Our church will let you down. The person sitting next to you will let you down. Jesus will never let you down. Okay, come to him. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time working on this. It says the, the, the cornerstone because masons would have gone to the quarry in those days and they would have been you know, getting the, the stones, hewing those stones out, trying to find the perfect stone that could be the foundation stone upon which they build the rest of the house or the building. And Jesus quoted this passage too. It's actually from the Old Testament, but he quoted it saying about himself that he's the cornerstone that was rejected by the Masons. And Jesus knew about this because he probably was a stonemason. Did you know that? Based on geography, that's probably what his job was. He's a stonemason and he knows that you see this stone and you're like, eh, is that the right one for the house or no? It was rejected by everyone. Jesus was rejected by the people he loved and came to save. They were like, we don't want you. We don't want you to be our Messiah. They, they took him and his friends abandoned him. The Judas betrayed him. They, the Jewish leaders then put him up for trial and crucified him and killed him. We rejected Jesus. But what happened was Jesus was the cornerstone that we needed and he got planted as the cornerstone for everything else to be built upon. He was the cornerstone. 
And I did a whole message on this. You can go back and find it. If you're in the YouVersion Bible app, there's a link to it. Watch this message first, then go back and listen to that other one. It was called The Cornerstone. You may remember it because I had a big cinder block that I put on the stage and I stood on it. Anybody remember that? One person does. Thank you. Okay, but Jesus is the cornerstone. We build our life on that. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on that. We do need to come to Jesus. Our relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. He is the foundation for our life. But here's the thing. When you do come to Jesus, you'll realize that Jesus says all sorts of stuff about community. He said, this is how people will know you're my disciple if you love one another. He'll say things like, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I with them. And he would say things like, I am going to build a church. Did you know Jesus said that? He said in Matthew chapter 16, and this verse is so important, we're gonna actually have a whole message focusing on this verse later in the series. But in Matthew chapter 16, if we can pull up that verse, Matthew 16 verse 18, Jesus said to Peter, who wrote this letter, said, and I tell you that you're Peter, whose name meant the rock, long before Dwayne Johnson, okay? And you are Peter, you're the rock, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus is building something right now. It's called a church. So if you come to Jesus, and you're like, hey, I'm a brick. You're like, I love Jesus. Well, guess what? Other people are coming to Jesus too, right? And you're gonna have to be around them. You might be like, well, I don't really like that other brick. They're annoying, they're mean, they hurt me. So I'm gonna go over here by myself. That's what we do, isn't it? You've been hurt by church. We're disillusioned with church. It, it just Christians just, ah, I don't like them. They're weird, awkward, hypocritical. Just be by yourself. Well, what happens? Well, where's Jesus? Jesus is over there with the Christians you don't like. <laughs> and you're over here. And you're like, well, can I still have a relationship with him? Yeah, but he said, come back. That's why he says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. There's a special like dispensation of Jesus' presence when people come together in his name that you're missing out on if you go off on your own. We are supposed to build something, and that's what Jesus is building. He's like, I'm building my church. Don't mess it up, people, okay? We gotta build something. We gotta build something better. Jesus is building his church. Even Satan himself cannot destroy the church because Jesus is just gonna keep building so the question is, will we be the brick that builds something better? Will we be the brick that builds something better? So can we just go to Jesus? No. And what happens to the brick over here that's all by themselves? What happens to this brick? A few things. They're alone. They're lonely. And it's hard. I think it is impossible to live your life as a Christian faithfully by yourself. You just can't do it. Because there will be times of loneliness, discouragement, temptation, times where life is just crushing you, and if you're by yourself, you will be crushed. Here's a little meme I saw, maybe you've seen this online, but if you see at the top, the, the herd of zebras is the church. Over here, there's another little zebra off on his own that says, I'm a Christian, but I don't need the church. And then you see, of course, the lion, Satan, chasing that little tiny zebra. Because who do lions go after? The ones who leave the herd. And this isn't just a funny meme. Peter himself, in the fifth chapter of this letter that we're reading right now, 
says that your enemy, the devil, prowls like a lion looking for someone to devour. Satan is out there just waiting for you to leave the herd. So you're gonna be over here lonely, struggling, suffering, and Satan is gonna take you out. Here's the second thing, though. Some of you are like, well, I'm actually doing pretty good right now. Life is good, I'm making money, my, my kids are happy, like life is good right now, like I, I'm doing okay on my own. I'm doing my little daily devotionals when I feel like it. Things are fine, I don't need other Christians. The other Christians need you. Stop being so selfish. Someone needs you to support them and to help them. You're over here on your own. It's time to go back. Somebody needs you. Somebody is lonely. Somebody is hopeless. And you were their one friend, maybe, that's a Christian. And you're thinking, I'm fine by myself. Stop just focusing on yourself. Other people need you. And there will be a time where you need them. Now, I know that the last two and a half years have been miserable for people. Anxiety up, depression up, loneliness at its highest level ever, and all those were already bad. People are struggling and suffering, and they need some help. Now, I have a theory. I don't have any evidence to back it up, but this is my theory, that a lot of the problems we're experiencing in our society would be solved, not with a therapist or a counselor, but if we just had one Christian friend in our life that we could talk to. One. If everybody had one Christian friend who was like, yeah, you're struggling, let me help you, let me encourage you, let me just come over and let's hang out for a little while. Let's grab coffee. If we just had one, and I think we need way more than one, to be honest. In my life, I have multiple friends that I call up, they're lead pastor friends because I'm like, we deal with some, some junk that other people don't, right? Like, let's stay friends, we need to talk to each other a lot. I have some mentors and coaches multiple mentors and coaches, okay? Because I know there are problems that I deal with in my personal life, in our church life, that I need some help with. And if I need it as your lead pastor, you need it even more. I'm serious. We need lots of people around us that we can call. That when we're struggling, they might even reach out to us because they're like, hey, I haven't seen you in church in a little while. What's going on? We need those people. We need the people that we can reach out to because, because we've got to reach out and not everybody's going to be able to read your mind and know what's going on. We need those people in our lives. And if everybody just had one Christian friend, I think a lot of problems would be solved. Right now we have to pay somebody to listen to us. But we as Christians are commanded to care for one another, to love one another, serve one another. We are commanded to help each other out, to be there when someone's struggling and suffering. Let me do a little straw poll here. If you are here and there was somebody that was suffering, struggling, depressed, lonely, thinking about suicide, any of those things, and they called you up, would you talk to them on the phone or spend time with them? Raise your hand if you would be willing to do that for somebody. Just raise it, keep it up in the air. If you would spend time with someone who's hurting. Now I want everybody to just look around. Look, at you got a whole group of people here. This is why we need the church. You say, I need some help, please. Okay, we gotta be honest, saying I'm hurting. Please help me. Okay, you can put your hands down. There's a whole group of people that are willing to do it for strangers. So let's make some friends with them because then it's easier when you're friends because you can be sh share with those people. I need it. You need it. We need each other. So stop being the, the lone Christian zebra that's about to eat, get eaten by the lion. Now, I did say that Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the foundation. A lot of people, maybe you're church shopping right now or people wonder like, hey, when I'm looking for a church, what should I be looking for? Maybe you're new to the area. I get it. There are times when you do have to church shop. 
So people ask me sometimes, like, well, what should I look for in a church? Okay, we all have different preferences, all different things that we want. And yes, there are much bigger things than this, but this is what I would just say, okay? We can do a little PSA for this. Are you looking for the perfect church? No, are you looking for any church? This is what you need to look for. Is Jesus the foundation? Is Jesus there? Because if Jesus is the foundation for the church and they talk about Jesus and they preach about Jesus and they tell everybody about how they can get saved through Jesus, that's a church you wanna be a part of, okay? They might have other things that you're like, I don't know if I agree with this or that. Okay, just find Jesus. If you go there six months and they never say the name Jesus, don't go, okay? Hopefully you can figure that out in just a week, but look for Jesus, okay? We can talk all about all the other preferences that you want, but Jesus is the foundation. You know, it's like a really weird thing in the church world. There's all sorts of books and programs and seminars on how to like help your church grow big. And one of the things they always talk about is like, well, what makes your church unique? And I get it, okay? But I've always struggled with it because they're like, what makes your church unique? And for us, it's like, well, I guess we meet in a hangar. But that's only because this was like the only building available when we needed a building. So we're in a hangar. Like that's, that's not something that we chose. We just are in a hangar, Okay. We have other things that make us unique, but that's just because we have unique people in our church. So whenever they're like, you need to find the unique thing and like market that one unique thing. I always struggle with this thing because I'm like, that's so church shoppers can figure out what their church of preference is. And I don't care about those people. (laughs) Sorry. There's all sorts of people who are lost and going to hell. Those are the people we're trying to reach. And especially here in Denver, we don't need the specific unique church where it has a cool pastor that drives a Harley onto the stage. Like, we don't need our shtick here. We don't. I'm gonna tell you this. We are a Jesus church. I wanna tell you that. I don't know what our shtick is. This is our foundation. I don't know what sets us apart from the other churches in the area, and it doesn't really matter because we love the other churches. Go Church, Journeyborn Church, we love them. I'm friends with those guys. St. Stephen's down the street. We are so happy that they are here because there are not enough churches in this area. There are 40,000 people living in Central Park, neighborhood, four churches. There are not 10,000 people here today. And we're the biggest church in Central Park. We're not even close to reaching our neighborhood, let alone all the neighborhoods around us. I got coffee with a church planter who was in our area in a different neighborhood right nearby. He's been here seven and a half years. The pandemic killed his church. He's gonna have to shut down the doors in just a few weeks. Grieves my heart. Makes me sad because there are not enough churches around here. Not even close. In Denver, there are twice as many dogs as there are Christians. There are more marijuana dispensaries than there are gospel proclaiming churches. In a five mile radius of our church, there are 350,000 people who don't go to church anywhere. We just need more Jesus churches. We're not competing with Go Church and Journey Point Church, we're competing with Satan who's trying to steal souls. And hell is hot and eternity is a long time. We're a Jesus church. So next time somebody asks, what's your church? We're a Jesus church. That's my little PSA, okay? We move on from that. Look for a Jesus church. We need more Jesus churches. And yes, we come to him, but when we come to him, he's building something. He's building us together. And that's what he goes on to say, Peter does, in verse 5 of 1 Peter chapter 2. In verse 5, Peter says, okay, there's the living stone, Jesus, but you also like living stones. We're living stones too. 
Jesus is the first one, the foundation, the cornerstone, but we're building on top of that. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. God is building something. Jesus is building something, and we're being built. I just want to say that being built means we're under construction, okay? That's why you're going to find imperfect sinners in a church, because we're all getting built. We're being built. We're not there yet. We're not there yet, even close. But we're being built, and he says, into a spiritual house. This is the language of a temple. In the ancient world, there was all sorts of temples where it was said that those gods lived in. Their presence lived in there. The Israelites wanted to worship God in a, a place, and he's like, hey, guys, how can you build me a house? Because I'm everywhere and in everything. But finally says, okay, for you guys, I will let you build a temple, and I will reside in that temple where my presence will be. And that's when the temple was built by Solomon. This is the language, the spiritual house. But what's interesting is that when Jesus died on the cross, the, the, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. The temple, just a few years later, toppled to never be rebuilt again. And what Jesus would teach us and show us is that we don't actually have a temple ever again because we are the temple. We don't need to go to a physical place. That's why we can be in a hangar or outside or in someone's living room. It doesn't matter what our building looks like because we are the building. We're the church. And we're the temple. That's why we're two or three are gathered together. There I am with me. Like the, the presence of God is found within us and among us. And we collectively are the temple. Now, a lot of you got taught maybe as a kid that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's the reason why you shouldn't get a tattoo. Eat your vitamins. Like you got to take care of your body. That, that maybe was the application you heard when you were in church as a kid, right? But, and it's true. Okay, that is true. Your, your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. You need to take care of that temple because Jesus lives inside of you. But it's also true collectively. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves, see plural, are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. We're building this. Jesus is building this together. You want to really feel Jesus and his presence and know he's there with you? You gotta do it together. We are the temple where we come together in his name. We're the temple. So I want you guys to see that we together are the temple of the Holy Spirit and each one of us is a brick in that house and that's why we need to be the brick that builds something better. Now, some people are like, well, isn't that like the universal church? Big C church, maybe you've heard that language before. There's the big church, everyone. okay, yes. But the big C church is always found in the little C church. It's made up of little C churches. And, and I say this because some of you are like, I love Jesus, but not the church. Like, how can you love the Jesus you don't see if you don't love his followers that you can see? No, seriously, I, I didn't make this up. John says this. If I can pull up this passage in 1 John 4.20. John says, another follower of Jesus, he says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? It's easy to love an invisible God. But to love a visible person who represents him, that takes some work. And we're the temple. We've got to love 
one another who we can see. I got this poem from Lillian Daniel. She's a preacher. She wrote this poem. She says, any idiot can find God on a mountaintop. The real challenge is finding God in the company of others as annoying as me. It's harder. It takes more work. But it's what Jesus called us to, to be built into this spiritual house together, the temple of God. But notice in this passage, it doesn't say we're just the temple in verse 5. But we're also the holy priesthood. And we're offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This means that we are the temple, we are the priests, and we offer sacrifices. Okay, that's significant. Okay, I'm not a priest, just in case anybody doesn't know that. I'm not. You are a priest if you follow Jesus. We go to the high priest, Jesus himself. You don't need to come to me to talk to God. Go straight to Jesus. We're all priests, but we're also offering spiritual sacrifices. So does that mean we need to come in here and offer some chickens and goats and cows up for sacrifice? Some, some of you are saying no. I, I always joke with the staff that I'm gonna do a series through Leviticus and I'm gonna do a live animal sacrifices demonstration. Yeah, some people are already puking. Like PETA just got called, right? I'm not gonna do it, I promise, yet, okay? Maybe someday. But we don't do that anymore, do we? even though it happened day after day, night after night in the temple. For generations, it stopped because Jesus was the final sacrifice. He went as the perfect sacrifice, the lamb of God, and he was sacrificed on that cross for the sins of the world. This means that your past sins, your present sins, and even your future sins are atoned for on the cross. You do not have to do anything to pay the penalty for your sin. You don't have to offer a sacrifice to get right with God because God already offered his own sacrifice, his own son. Praise God for that, right? It's amazing. It's amazing. So, so what sacrifices then are we supposed to offer? Peter says we need to offer spiritual sacrifices. What are spiritual sacrifices? Okay, your heart, your life. Okay, there, there's a lot of different things it could be, but I want to show you in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, what Paul says. He says, offer your bodies, your whole life, everything about you as a living sacrifice. You don't have to die. You have to give your life to God because that sacrifice is holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's what make God, makes God happy. The sacrifice that's acceptable is when we say, I give my life now to him. Jesus gave his life for me. I will give my life to him. So this means everything about your life. You're living for him. So everything you do, how you make your kids breakfast in the morning, which is hard for me. It's a very anxious time for me. I, I struggle. But, I, but can I do it for, for Jesus? Can I do it well, even though I'm like, please be quiet for a minute so I can get this cereal ready. When we go to work and we're serving our bosses or our employees or, or the people that, we, uh, that are our clients, are we serving them in a way that makes our boss Jesus happy? It can be a sacrifice. When we serve in our church or serve the needy around us, that's our sacrifice. When we give our time, our talents, and our treasures, that's a sacrifice. When we say, hey, I have given a portion of what God has given me, just 10%, like, God lets us keep the 90, but like, have we given 10% to him as a sacrifice of praise? And have we come in together? Did you know when you sing, it's a sacrifice? You're giving up your time to worship God on a Sunday morning. There's a lot of fun things to do in Colorado on Sunday mornings. But when we do that, it's a sacrifice of praise from our lips. That's what the author of Hebrews says. 
as we sing, as we make music together, it's a sacrifice. Everything we do can and will be a sacrifice if we give it to God. And guess what? We have to do that together. Because when we come together and we say, hey, I'm gonna serve here, I'm gonna do that thing over there, like, okay, I'll, I'll serve in the worship band. You obviously can't sing, you're not serving in the worship band. We got a spot on the cafe for you. No, I'm kidding, okay. But we're, we're building something and it, it builds something like, that looks, it's way better, right? When we build it together. What we can build together is way better than anything we could build on our own. Because we, we try to do that when we go out on our own. We like, we're like, oh, I do not like the church. Oh my gosh, those Christians. The music wasn't right. The pastor mm, wasn't funny enough. The pastor was too funny. Okay, we leave the church, we go off on our own. It's gotta be a serious thing, right? Music was too loud, the music was too quiet. Whatever, it is. like we leave the church for all sorts of different reasons and go off on our own. We were hurt by the church. Somebody legitimately abused you. Real reasons why you should be mad. We go off on our own, but what happens to the church? It's a little bit weaker, isn't it? Like it's not gonna hold up well. That person who was relying on you is now struggling. And what we built starts to collapse. You don't even realize who you're holding up just by being a part of a Christian community. And when you leave, it's going to hurt other people. You were the connection for them. You were the encourager for them. You're the reason they thought, if that person can believe in Jesus, maybe I can too. And now you're gone. And here's the thing. Some Christians are like, well, I can do my devotionals. I can do something great. I can build a business. I can serve my family. I can do all that stuff. But what you can build on your own will pale in comparison to what you could build together. There's no way you give your entire life to Jesus and you're like, I'm gonna do it all myself. It will never be as good as what you could build in a church. I'm serious. The church needs you. So be the brick that builds something better. Be the brick that builds something better. And that will be the sacrifice that God finds acceptable, pleasing when we build together. And there will be a day when every single one of us will go before the judgment seat and we will have to give an account for what we built with our time, our talents, and our treasures. God has entrusted a lot of stuff to us and on the last day, he will ask you, what'd you do with it? What'd you build? And he's gonna wanna know what we built together. I'm serious. It says this in 1 Corinthians. Remember that passage we looked at that talked about how we together are the temple? If you look earlier in that passage in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, it says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. We know that. Jesus is the foundation. We're all going to Jesus if we're followers of Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, verse 13, if we, if we continue on, it says their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Verse 14 says, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. If you're off by yourself and you're building something, it might not last. You didn't build it together. You weren't building the church, the community. 
that God called us to, the church that Jesus is himself building right now. So it might not last. You might still get into heaven, it says. You'll get in, but it's one escaping through the flames. You'll be ashamed on the judgment day. I got nothing to show you for my life. Say you're in because of the blood of Jesus Christ, but you barely made it in. That's what that passage told us, isn't it? And I can tell you, I do not want to be one who barely makes it in through the flames. I want to have something to say, I built something better. I know it was imperfect. I know I messed up, but we tried to build something together to serve one another, to to serve the people who are needy, to send, send the gospel around the world. We tried to build something. And Jesus will say, do you know what he'll say on that day? Well done, good and faithful servant. What you've been faithful with a little, you'll be entrusted with much. There will be reward. That's what I want. And I want for all of you as well. I want us to build something better. And that means you, personally, if you are a follower of Jesus, be the brick that builds something better. T.S. Eliot, the poet, says that the church must be forever building, for it is forever decaying within and attacked from without. We've got work to do. We're not done. We're not even anywhere near done with our work here in Denver or around the world. There are still 6,000 people groups who have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. There are 350,000 unchurched people in a five-mile radius of our church. We've got work to do. We've got to build something better. And we can do it if we do it together. We do it together. Now, a lot of you are thinking, well, Matt, you, you wanted to be a pastor. You know, if you've heard my story, you know, God called me when I was just a kid. <clears throat> and you're like, oh, you must have had some great experiences at church growing up. I had some bad experiences just like you. The first church I remember was when I was just a little kid. Our family lived on Catalina Island. It was a very small town. There was just a couple churches, and there was just one okay church. So that's the church our family went to. It's an old congregational church. Hard wooden pews. They're so uncomfortable. The pastor would up, go up there, drone on. And there, there was like pa- multiple pastors on the stage. I still don't know how it all worked. And they had their wooden thrones, and they would sit there looking at you. So you're like, oh, I can't even like wiggle around music, they, they had that big old pipe organ in the back and they would blast it. It was so loud, louder than any rock concert I've ever been to. You've been to that church? It was boring. And as a kid, I thought there was no kids ministry. So I was in there in the hard wooden, uncomfortable pew for what felt like hours, right? And I remember thinking, even as a kid, I was like, there's gotta be something better than this. There's gotta be something better than this. So then my family moved when I was seven to Colorado Springs. We tried a few churches, finally found one that I loved because it had a kid's ministry. I don't know if it was a good ministry, kid's ministry, but it had a kid's ministry, so I loved it, right? Finally, some other people my age. And that was good for a while. I think the preaching was pretty good. The music was okay, and I only say that because they let me drum when I was 11, so it couldn't have been that good, okay? <laughs> but I was in that church. I enjoyed it. I liked it. Things were going well, and we had a pastor that was good, um, but then that pastor left. And then another pastor came, and then that pastor left, and another pastor came. And that new pastor, he had a great heart for Jesus, but he could not preach, okay? I, as a teenager, was like, I don't understand anything this guy's saying. Makes no sense. He tried hard. He had a heart for Jesus. It was like his second career, and he just couldn't do it. I remember one sermon he, he preached because he was talking about trying to kill a chicken with his bare hands, and he didn't do it right. So the chicken was running around with his like, head like this. 
15 minute story. I remember that. I don't remember a reason why he told that story or anything he ever said about the Bible. For years, that's all, like, that's the only thing I remember. It was bad. And I remember thinking as a teenager, I was like, there's gotta be better preaching than this. And then um, something happened. I don't know the full story that because of that pastor's things that were going on behind the scenes, it got worse. And some issues happened and my family and several other families in the church left that church to start a new one. It wasn't church plant, okay? This was division. It was a church split. The worst part of it was is that my best friend, Ben, my only friend that I had that was a Christian my age, went to the other church. And I was separated from my best friend, like my only Christian friend. And I went to this home church and I know like the preaching was fine and the music was fine. Like it, it was good, but I, sorry, mom and dad, I, I just couldn't stand it. And I think the big reason is my best friend was gone. There was no one my age and it was this little home church. And I was like, I knew that there had to be something better than that. And those experiences, and there was all sorts of awful things that had happened behind the scenes, you know. That, those are the experiences that would lead someone to leave the church, right? The 61% to leave the church when they turn 18. That should have been me. But I knew that God had called me to build something better. It can be better than this. And I don't think it's just my calling as a preacher or a pastor. I think it's the calling that Jesus puts on every single one of our hearts. To be the brick that builds something better. So that's what I've been trying to do with my life, to build something better. I should have left the church the way I've been hurt. I should have left the church lots of times, but I'm not going to. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. So let's build something better together. That's what I want to encourage you guys to do. And if we do it, I can just imagine that God will show up in our midst. He'll transform lives. As we serve in our church and in our community, things will happen. We're already seeing it. We're seeing people who aren't even followers of Jesus serving with us, like in our church or, or at the crossing where we serve meals at homes. They're serving alongside us because they know something's different about us. That we're gonna see lives transformed. Kids and teenagers make decisions to follow Jesus for a lifetime and their families are transformed. We're gonna see Northeast Denver not become this place where, uh, I just wanna get to the point where there's more Christians than dogs. Can we get there? Like, that, that would be amazing. And some of you, like, may be called to be a pastor or a preacher or a church planner. If that's true, come, come see us. Like, I would love to send you out to go plant another church. We need more. But, but even if it's not you, every single one of us is called to be the brick that builds something better. And God will do some amazing things in us and through us if we let him. Won't be perfect. We are and will be far from perfect as a church. But we will build something better together. So how do we need to respond today? First, if you're here and you're hurting, I understand. There has been and will be some terrible things that the church has done. Even if it was a pastor that hurt you, I'm sorry. You need to find some healing. I had one woman come up to me after a Sunday in tears saying, you're the first pastor I've talked with in years and I'm crying because you triggered me. I'm like, what? She's like, it's not you. It's just anytime I'm around a pastor because she had gone through so much trauma at the hands of a spiritual leader. If you're hurting here today, maybe you can't even be here in person because of your hurt, it's time to find healing. And I know one message, one series isn't gonna do it, but, but please try to stay through this series. We wanna find you some healing. I wanna give you uh, an option as you're moving forward so that you can find the healing because the church needs you. 
They need, there, there's so many incredible Christians that have been sidelined because of the hurt in their lives. At the hands of a church or Christians. It's time to get back in there. So I wanna say this. I have a Bible reading plan. It's, it's like a reading plan. There's some devotional stuff in there. It's seven days. So for seven days, if you can commit like five to 10 minutes a day, I think that you will begin to find some healing through this. And I'm gonna do it with you. We do these Bible reading plans. You can take a photo of this QR code or if you're online, you can find that link and we'll do it together over the next seven days. Hopefully you can just start, begin that healing process in your life. I know it's a long process. And I know it might take weeks, months, years, but we need you back, okay? The church needs you. So let's find that healing. One other thing you can do if, you, if you're really struggling and, and you're like me and you're a reader, I wanna recommend this book to you. It's called Healing Your Church Hurt. If we have that slide, Healing Your Church Hurt. If we can pull that up. Do we have that slide in there? Thank you. Healing Your Church Hurt by Stephen Mansfield. It's, it's a very helpful book. If you wanna go to a deep dive, read this book. It's gonna be helpful for your life. And if you're here and you're like, I wanna read the book, but I don't have the money, I will buy it for you personally because I think it's that important that we get you on the team, Okay. I'll buy it for you. Just come talk with me afterwards. Um, healing your church hurt. So if you're hurt, it's time to find some healing. Take some baby steps towards that healing. Second, if you're church shopping, maybe you're watching this online because you're like, I don't know if I even want to show up in person. If you're church shopping, stop. <laughs> At least stop long enough for this series to see if this is a church for you. Seriously, five weeks, the month of July, commit to this series. Even if you're going to be gone, Commit to this series, watch online. Five weeks, give us five weeks, stop shopping for a minute. See if this is the church, a Jesus church that you can commit to. Okay, stop shopping for just a little while. The third thing, some of you are here and you're already like, this is my church home. It's time to let the cement dry. <laughs> some of you have been like from one church to another every you know, six months to two years. I know, I talk with you guys. It's time to let the cement dry. There will be things we do as a church that you disagree with. You won't agree with every decision made. There will be things that happen, people that might even hurt you. But let's commit to this community to build something better together. Let the cement dry. Build real relationships here and get some at least one real friendship. Okay, so if that's you and this is your church home already, you're already committed or you're ready to make the commitment today, I want you to put your hand in the air. If this is your church home or if you're like, I'm ready to make this commitment, put your hand in the air. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Let's do that. Let's, yeah, let's do it together, guys. We are gonna build something better to, together. And I'm just excited what God is gonna do in our midst. So that's the third thing. The fourth thing, some of you aren't even a follower of Jesus yet. You've been listening to this whole thing and thinking, wow, I do like Jesus, but I'm still not sure about Christians. And this pastor, woo, he's weird, okay? That's fine. What you need is Jesus, okay? You need Jesus to provide you salvation. He died on the cross to atone for your sins, and you can follow him and find new life and new purpose. So I wanna give you an opportunity to respond like we do every week, um, that you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So would everybody bow their heads right now? Close their eyes. Lord God, um, we're praying right now that you build us into something better. We, we, we're sick of seeing bad churches, hurtful Christians, even Christians that have hurt us, and we want to build something better. Lord God, use us. Make what we build as we serve and as we give, make it a spiritual sacrifice acceptable to you. Lord God, we want to hear that, those words, well done on the last day. And God, um, for those who are hurting, I pray for full healing. I know that some of the trauma and pain men and women and children in our church have experienced is awful. 
but you are the healer. You, Jesus, are the one who says, a bruised reed I will not break. You are gentle and humble in heart. Provide the healing that people need right now. They can already begin in their soul to feel that healing. Lord God, as we commit to building something better, I, I pray that you'd stir in the hearts of those who make, need to make the decision to commit to follow Jesus today. So with eyes closed, I wanna tell you this truth, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. That's scripture. You will be saved. So I'm gonna give you a chance to respond and repeat after me a simple prayer. It's no magical prayer, but it's you declaring your faith in Jesus and he will come into your life and save you. So what we do here is if you're already a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud to give courage to somebody who needs to pray it for the first time. So please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Save me. Forgive me. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Give me your spirit. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me to follow you and be the brick that builds something better. Now with eyes closed,